Wellbeing event, Comms Unplugged. Welcome to the very end of October. It's Halloween as I record this, but there's nothing spooky about this episode. Today we're going to be covering behaviour change, both in our personal lives and our professional lives. So we're starting off with a lovely chat with several of the original unpluggers who are also in the Dry Unpluggers WhatsApp group. And as well as taking on Dry January every year, this year for the first time, we took on Sober October. So I'd like to welcome now Darren Caveney, Helena Hornby, Anna McLean and Joanne Ford to talk about their Sober October journey with me. So today on See You on the Air, I have a number of our original unpluggers with us, and we're going to chat a little bit about a particular area of behaviour change that we've all committed to this month, which is Sober October. Now, we all do dry January, but uh, we thought we'd have a go at Sober October. I can't quite remember who suggested it. It might have been Anna, who is on the call, so she'll take the blame a bit later on for that, hopefully. But I'm going to start off with our very own Darren Caveney, one third of Team Unplugged, who, well, I think it was you, Darren, that got us going on dry January, didn't you? And this is later in the year. So just curious to see, you know, how it's compared for you between dry January, which I know you've been doing for quite a few years, and your, I think, your first sober October. Yes, thank you, Sally. Well, as you know, I'm actually the creator of dry January. <laughs> I, I've been doing it for 25 years. I did it in my last year at uni when I was, it was final year of uni. I was broke and I thought, you know what? I'm going to have a month off and just get all my work done and, and uh, save a little bit of cash. And I've just carried it on. I've done it every year. And I think the point when we were chatting just uh, that Helena made about control, I quite like, well, January's a grim month, isn't it? So I just think, make it even grimmer and not drink. <laughs> it's bleak, but, you know, my coping mechanism was kind of not to socialise, so I'd be a bit of a hermit in January. But a bit, I quite like the discipline of starting the new year off in a, in a kind of positive, healthy yeah. way. And I think it helps your mindset and gets you back into that work rhythm. And then, yeah, so Anna suggested Sober October, which I've never done before. And I wasn't planning to do it, to be honest. And uh, I wasn't even sure if I could. And I suppose we'll all talk about this one. But the main difference is I've never been dry for a month in a global pandemic. And I think <laughs> None of us have. <laughs> That's the challenge. And uh, so I've actually found it harder than I found dry January. And I, I have come off the wagon once. So I did have one little social in between. But as we speak, it's day 29, isn't it? So I've done 28 of the 29 days. And I can't wait to open the Malbec. I won't lie. I'm, <laughs> I'm counting the days until Sunday night. And lovely Helena brought me a really smart bottle of Malbec. And I'm thinking I might open it then yeah so what's the difference then because obviously it is a bit about I suppose you've adjusted your behavior already around January because you know every year you're going to do dry January and, and that is part of your year but October is a complete and with the overlay of the pandemic is completely different so I guess that sounds like you found that more difficult to adjust your behavior around that yeah I think because mentally in December obviously you're drinking quite a little bit extra because you're socializing at Christmas and I know that January the 1st is looming. And so it will get to the point where, to be honest, by the end of December, you're a little bit sick of alcohol anyway. So I find January, the first two weeks of January, actually quite cleansing and quite simple. Whereas October kind of crept up on me. And if I'd known, I probably would have drunk more in September. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a great advert, is it? But I probably would have kind of built towards it better. And yeah. I think I kind of landed and I said, oh, okay. 
you know, we've got the group chat, haven't we? We've kind of collectively supported each other. So I wanted to support the team as much as anything and just do my bit. Yeah, which is great. And and the Dry Unpluggers group has been going for a couple of years now and it's really helpful, isn't it? Yeah. So Anna, it was your idea for us to embark on this sober October journey. Where sorry. did that come from? How have you made us do this? <laughs> First of all, apologies, Darren. I'm sorry to have put you through this trauma in a, in a global pandemic. I think for me, and uh, you know, we've, we talked about this before, is that it's, it's a sort of creeping up of the alcohol intake, definitely. When we've done Dry January together the last three years, I think that's three years that we've done it together. The first year, I found it really difficult for the first few weeks. And I do remember we were all like, and then the third weekend being like, right, this is it. This is the really hard one. The second year we did it, I didn't find it that difficult. Last This year, I'm like, I'm quite welcoming this in the same way that Darren talked about, because you just kind of overindulge not just in alcohol, but just everything in Christmas time, I think. So I found that really easy. But I think what struck me was after dry January this year, I actually weirdly, I think Joanne had a similar thought at one stage. I'm like, I wonder if I'll just stop drinking. And then I ended up having to have a drink mid-February and it was like trying to um, lose your virginity or something. You just wanted to get it over with. (laughs) (laughs) I felt people were like going to ask me about it. And I just thought, I was out for a rare cinema date at the Everyman Cinema in Glasgow with my husband and I was just like oh god I had a large glass of wine and just kind of necked it so that I was like right I don't have the pressure of now it's been six weeks should I keep going or not and I think I probably don't feel like I would totally give up drinking but I do think maybe I could but I'm not sure that I'm ready to do that yet so for this year I think once the pandemic hit and I've, I've got two years worth of data in my dry January app which I think is another tool that I found really helpful just visually even quickly swiping through the months were creeping up and my birthday's in September and I did feel like I was just having a drink just because I could so yeah, October was coming. If Sober October didn't exist, I'm not sure whether I would have suggested it, to be honest. So Well, so it's the behaviour thing creeping up on you, isn't it? And just very, very subtly, suddenly, certain things becoming habits, like, and I've found that certainly yeah. in the pandemic, you know, wow, what a day, you know, working for the NHS, busy all the time. It hasn't stopped. It's been relentless since everything kicked off. Just thinking, oh God, I really, I really could do with a nice glass of wine. And you just find you're doing that a couple of times a week yeah. and then maybe more. And I was pretty good before about just drinking it at the weekend and not in the week but I found it creeping up on me and I think it's that and then it just becomes habit and it becomes your behavior doesn't it Mm -hmm. and it's it's noticing that and thinking I've got to stop that now so Helena you've been uh, on the the dry the dry journey with us as well for the last few years and and just listeners for your information Helena's dad sells wine you know Helena knows loads about wine so pretty pretty tough um, when that's part of your your cultural heritage as an Italian to be kind of not drinking so how have you how have you found that and what have you noticed has changed for you Yep, you're right, Sally. It's in my DNA. Cut me and I bleed multiple Chano d'Abruzzo. Lovely. (laughs) Yeah, I, like Anna said, you know, I took part in dry January and it's become quite a habit and I quite look forward to it now. It's a bit of a mark of a new year. And I said very much this year that I would use it as an opportunity to cut down my drinking throughout the rest of the year as well, because that I was going to just use it for you know, special occasions and and when I've got a real excuse to do it. And I did quite well at the beginning of the year and I kind of stuck to that, but I found that it crept in. And so those good behaviours, 
behaviors that I'd cemented in, then I started to overlay with, oh, but it's summer and it's a nice day and there's a bit of sunshine and there's a global pandemic and ah, what's the worst that can happen? And oh, it's just one glass of wine. No, it's just half a bottle of wine. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, my dad is an enabler. Um, I did that from him, you know, so we'd pop when he came to visit and he'd bring a couple of bottles and he'd bring round bags of pasta, um, tins of tin tomatoes and beans and cases of wine. That was our pandemic <laughs> surprise. And it's just because it's there and available and on tap. I think it was actually, it was Darren. One of the reasons I sent Darren wine through the post during the pandemic was because he said, oh, I didn't have any in the house. And I don't understand the concept of not having wine in there. <laughs> I've not got about 12 bottles of wine of various types and fizzies and colours. <laughs> I, I, I go into panic mode. <laughs> if it's there, I can resist it. And then, uh, you know, it's fine. It's like once it's open, though, it's gone. It evaporates. Mm. So, but it's dangerous. There's lots of different things that are affecting and influencing my behavior and making me change and gradually making me get back into drinking more. So when Anna suggested Sober October, I, a bit like Joanne, I didn't really want to do it, but it made me assess my drinking and look at the app and see those yellow boxes decreasing and the gray and black increasing because I was still tracking, but I stopped during August and September, which is a bad sign when you stop tracking. So I thought, right, I need to get back in control. So it became about wanting to get back into in control of the situation and back in control of my drinking so that I was making conscious choice to drink when I drank rather than it controlling me and it being the habit or just not listening to that voice that just says oh sod it just have a drink and so yeah it became about the control and I found it quite easy even though it seemed like a long month it's a five weekend month but once you know we, we've had great moral support for each other on the group and also no judgment you know when Darren decided to take a day off nobody it's like it's fine you do what suits you nobody nobody's gonna kick you out the group for for making a choice it's just you make your conscious choice to do what's right for you and so those of us that have stuck to it yay but also if you have a planned day off it's fine it's allowed just give yourself that permission and that control to be doing what's right for you I feel like as a consequence I'll be healthier through November maybe start drinking less in December rather than every night or just because it's December or just because it's a pandemic yeah it's really difficult isn't it in the in the current circumstances and I think all of us have you know struggled a little bit with that what do you reach for to help you cope with the situation we're all in and the constant blows that keep coming and the you know the constant changes and the uncertainty really isn't it it's really really tricky Joanne so Joanne's up in uh, Scotland works alongside Anna at Loch Lomond and the Trossachs National Park Joanne what what have you found has helped you to change your behavior around sober october this month a few things have helped me i think the the funniest the thing i'm laughing at the most is the fact that when anna suggested this i wasn't i didn't want to do it at all i was like <laughs> no no i'm not doing this nah. i didn't think i needed to but like everyone else i've done dry january over the last few years really enjoyed it and it has made me more conscious and mindful of what i'm drinking and i have i think drank less at times and then 
during the pandemic and lockdown, I've seen that creep up and down yeah. and probably back up again. And in probably August, September, I think I wasn't doing too bad. I was probably drinking a little bit less and sticking to weekends and things like that. But had realized that I'd sort of got to this, the habit of if I'm not working the next day, then I'll have a drink. Mm. And no matter, you know, no matter what. So part of the reason I said no to doing Sober October was I had a week's holiday at the beginning of October. And I thought, how could I possibly have a week off and not drink through that? Mm. But what I was also conscious of is that I'm tired and I don't like coming back from weekends or holidays feeling more tired than I started and I have been in that situation quite a few times not from drinking huge amounts but that combined with being out and about and or doing exercise and being busy with kids and things it's the combination you kind of end up feeling quite often a Monday morning or the first day back at work and you, you can feel worse and actually that's not a very good way to feel when you've come back from a break no so I did intend to cut down and try and sort of join in with the group but not do it fully and that's what happened I did, had the week off I drank three times in a week, which is a lot less than I would on a normal holiday. And I didn't drink very much on those occasions, just maybe two glasses of wine or whatever. At the same time, I was listening to the audiobook of Catherine Gray's The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober, which I had heard of before and I had intended, it'd been on my list for a while. I just thought now was the time to listen to it, seeing as we were kind of talking about it. But again, I still wasn't thinking I'm going to use this as a tool to encourage me to stop drinking. But actually it did. That and the combination of being on a break, but feeling like I had more energy than I would normally when I'm on holiday. I was getting up and doing lots of things. You know, I like running and swimming. So I had more energy, felt better to get up and do those things and then not feel exhausted for the rest of the day when I'm with my kids. So a few different things, but the book itself was really, really inspiring. It wasn't a, it's not a horror story. There are some grim bits and some sad bits that are hard to listen to, but it, she says at the outset, and this is what I loved about it, by the end, she, she'd stuck to her word. She says at the beginning, this is not going to be a depressing book. There will be some hard moments, but this book is about showing that going sober can be or is a really wonderful thing, can be really uplifting. She talks about the language around being dry and sober, you know, talk about stone cold sober or sober as a judge, like it's really boring, but actually mm. her life has become much more enriched and alive and full because she doesn't drink. Obviously she was, she was an addict, so it like had some serious issues for a long time. So I'm definitely, it wasn't in that situation, but I could identify with it. And I'd, I found the book really inspiring. That plus the chat with you guys on the group and just recognizing myself that I was feeling less tired. I did, wasn't missing it too much. Just all these little things. So I came back from my week off and said, yeah, right, I'll just do the rest of the month. And I'm finding, I'm actually finding it easier than dry January for me. Ooh. And I'm, I'm going to keep going into it because I, I started late, so I'll keep going, but I haven't, I'm not putting a date on it. I'm just going to see how I feel. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying having more energy and yeah, being less sort of irritable and tired. Yeah. And that control thing is really, is really important. I think that's it, isn't it? And that's very much what comes out of that book, which I've also read where she, you know, she's drinking so much, she's out of control of her own life. I mean, she doesn't even remember what's going on half the time, you know, she's drinking so much. She, she was an alcoholic, obviously, but, but she recognised that. And I think we can all, we probably can all identify with that to a lesser extent about the effects that it has. And I know that a couple of you have spoken I mean Annie you talked you talked about your sleep and and Helena you did as well but do you want to say a little bit about that yeah I think I was just trying to reflect on like the others have said apart from poor Darren 
I have found it really quite easy this month. I think there's some things that Joanne and I made a special trip to the big Tesco to get some a bigger range of alcohol-free beers. And I think things like that actually make it much easier. So there is a good replacement. Nobody has yet made a good wine, alcohol-free wine, as far as I can tell so far. Still, No, no Seco isn't bad. I quite like that. I did try that. I did try that. I'm not really a big Fizz fan, though. So it kind mm. of felt like I was just having it because it was there. But yeah, I was trying to think, well, what's... What's the difference? And actually, I'll check my Fitbit data and see if I can back this up. But I'm sure my sleep has been better. And I think that's what I notice is even small. What I've noticed since doing dry January is it only takes a really small amount of alcohol to, to really disrupt my system, either my rest and heart rate, which makes me sometimes feel a bit just not a nice feeling to have sometimes wake up with your heart kind of racing. Racing, and it, yeah. And it wouldn't even take very much alcohol for that to happen. I can't remember the last time I had a proper boozy night out but I realized it only needed to be one glass of wine sometimes particularly wine I don't feel the same with beer or, or gin or something but definitely with wine I've almost I almost gave me the fear I don't know if anybody else has that but it almost you've had spoken about that before yes fear before I drank that this was what was going to come it's almost like right waiting to wake up thinking oh no so my sleep I know Helen I felt, felt kind of similar as well have you found that a, a, a positive change as well, Helena? Yes, like Anna, I was finding that it only took us one or two glasses and I'd be awake at three o'clock in the morning, dry mouthed and not able to nod off again. And it was really affecting my sleep quality, well, even when I'd only had a glass or, or two, you know, not, not a lot. And I also experienced that fear that like, is it even worth having a glass of wine, which I enjoy, you know, I do enjoy the taste of wine and the, the, the little warm glow from the alcohol. And I think sleep is so precious to do something that can benefit your sleep positively. I think for me, maybe it's an age thing, <laughs> but now that I'm older, I'm valuing my sleep more than I am the feeling of being drunk. <laughs> yeah, um, it was a, a good to get that under control by knocking, and it, and it has improved. My sleep has improved a lot by knocking it on the head, and it's wine for me as well. Does affect me more than gin. So, and we're all different. I think we. Are, I mean, at one point, I had such a bad reaction to alcohol, to a glass of wine, that I thought I might be allergic. <laughs> Oh no, shock horror. Helena allergic to wine. That can't be a thing. I know, I know. I was really upset and very worried. And I thought maybe it's a sulfites. I was uh, doing research on allergies to alcohol. Oh no. Yeah. And somebody saying that uh, your body's response to it is actually an allergic response. A lot more people have an alcohol allergy than they realize. And part of the feeling they feel so rough with a hangover is actually an allergic reaction to it. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I think the sleep thing is a really big thing, isn't it? And the fear thing. I started my dry spell the last few days of September because I knew I was going to break it early because it was my daughter's birthday yesterday and my birthday today. And so yesterday, throughout the day, thinking about the fact that I would be drinking that night, I actually felt really nervous about it. And I and I put that in the group, didn't I? I said to you guys, is it weird that I feel nervous that I'm going to have a drink tonight? And you were all really supportive and said, actually, no, we all feel that as well. But you just, you almost think, God, I've been so good and so focused and so on the, on the straight and narrow path that it felt naughty and like I was a bit scared of breaking that which is silly I know because we're all adults aren't we but I know Darren you know Sunday you're uh, you're looking forward to your glass of Malbec on the 1st of November but have you seen any benefits from the last few weeks from your not drinking I know you've been quite grumpy about everything that's going on in the world <laughs> which we all have <laughs> oh I'm grumpy every month it's got nothing to do with the alcohol um, I'm a middle-aged bloke I'm meant to be grumpy I haven't noticed loads, if I'm honest. 
other than I definitely eat more chocolate. And oh, I think yeah. is, a, is a wine substitute for me, I've found. Somebody said to me, actually earlier in the week, your skin looks better. And I Ooh. said, is it terrible before? I mean, what? <laughs> having said that though, I think, joking pop, when you get past a certain age, your sleep isn't as good anyway. You know, I can't remember the last time I slept eight hours straight. I, I just don't. I will wake up at, <laughs> it's funny, I woke up at 3, 3 a.m. And I think it was Sunday night, Monday morning. And I was wide awake at 3 a.m. And I really like late night radio, talk radio. And I put the radio on. Oh. Guess what the phoning was about? Insomnia. I kid <laughs> It was insomniacs talking about, and actually, I thought, God, like this is the last thing I should be listening to. <laughs> but having said that, this week, I genuinely have slept much, much better. So maybe it's just taken a couple of weeks for me to notice. It's better. I, I don't sleep straight through. So I think more chocolate, glowing <laughs> skin and slightly better sleep. Those are my uh, outtakes. <laughs> those, those sound like real benefits to me. And Joanne, I know that you and uh, you and Anna have been going for your regular lovely swims in Loch Lomond. And my goodness me, how brave are you? I know you wear wetsuits and everything, but I bet it's cold. But I imagine that's one of those sort of shock things that, uh, you know, goodness me, if you had drunk the night before, that would wake you up, wouldn't it? So do, do things, do activities like that kind of help you? Because they're, they're all part of like feeling really alive, aren't they? And really, you know, invigorated by the, the amazing world. And your environment up there is just so beautiful. I've visited you and seen it. Do those sort of things help you when you're trying to not think about the booze or other other crutches that we might have yeah absolutely yeah this swimming in the lock i highly highly recommend outdoor swimming it never fails to feel amazing and yes it probably is quite a good hangover cure but <laughs> particularly at the moment when i'm not drinking what's been really great is either being able to plan an early morning swim and know that you won't feel rubbish in the morning and think, oh, I wish I wasn't doing this. Mm. Know that you'll be able to get up and do it. Or what I've been doing at the weekends is planning. And this is maybe just overcompensating, but planning in what I'm going to, something that I really want to do, like a really nice run up on some of the trails and paths that we have here or a mm. swim with Anna, something amazing that I know makes me feel really good and planning in for the morning so that it's almost another incentive to not drink, isn't it? Because it's like, well, I want to feel really good about this. I don't want to ruin it. Mm. So that's really, really helpful. And the yeah, the swimming, the cold water is a, a huge energizer, gives yeah. you a real buzz. So that adds to it. And the more you feel that, it's like anything, the more you feel good, then the more you want to do that rather than the other thing. Yeah. So, so it's reprogramming yourself with yeah. different positive things, different positive experiences. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, well, that's been brilliant, everybody. Thank you so much. And look how well we've done. We're nearly at the end of October now. So some of us, as we say, have already broken the, the dry spell. But it's lovely every time to be on that journey with you guys, actually, yeah. just to have those conversations. And it's the lack of judgment, isn't it, as well? And some days you have a really bad day. And actually, that is what you need to do. That's a decision you need to make that day. And everybody is really supportive, not egging you on or anything, but just saying, do you know what? Actually, it's not the end of the world. It's fine. And and I think all of us need that supportive network, don't we? So thanks very much for joining me, everybody. And good luck right through to the end of October. And well, we'll see you back in January, won't we? <laughs> yeah. Well bye. done, everyone. Well yeah, done. Bye. bye. Well, living through a global pandemic can certainly make us think about what we do and how we do it. And behaviour change is right at the centre of a lot of the campaign work that many of our comms colleagues are working on at the moment. I caught up with Alan Oram 
from Alive With Ideas to discuss a little bit about some of the work he's been doing for organisations around the country, uh, particularly around behaviour change and what are the things that are working to help connect with people and to make a difference. So today on See You On The Air, on our podcast, I'd like to welcome Alan Oram from Alive With Ideas. Hi, Alan. Hi, Sally. Alan and Alive have been big supporters of Comms Unplugged since year one, since 2017. And they are the creators of our beautiful brand and our lovely website and are always very patient with us when we come up with new (laughs) things that that we want to kind of achieve. Just to kick off with Alan, what was it that attracted you to what we were doing with Comms Unplugged and why you wanted to get involved? Yeah, I remember the moment really clearly when I was working from home actually then and Darren gave me a call and started talking about how we've been chatting to you guys and you come up with this this crazy idea about getting people together in a field and I think the thing that appealed to me was that it was fresh new it was different but it also made complete sense that people needed this you can hear it and feel it that people needed a place to go and escape and to talk to each other and maybe learn a little bit and just experience something different and it was really I suppose that that word different and that was what what attracted me yeah and you've been fantastic and you know we love our brand so much and every year we kind of tweak around with it and do something different so it's really lovely to have you and to continue to have you guys on board with us so this episode we're talking about behavior change and we've had a little chat with some of our unpluggers about sober October and how they've changed their own behavior but I thought (laughs) maybe we could chat with you about how we work with organizations to change behavior because obviously Uh, those who listen are are comms people we're all getting involved with quite a lot of behavior change in very difficult circumstances at the moment obviously both internal and external comms campaigns where we need to kind of nudge behavior in one direction or the other and and that can be quite difficult can't it because people are set in their ways they're used to what they're used to and it can be quite difficult to shift that can't it yeah yeah okay i think we we try and keep things simple when we're coming up with campaigns and initiatives that are being put together to sort of try and influence people's behavior the first place that we we kind of always try and start is by the the research side of things and understanding the context in which we're working and that people are living or Mm. working in so that we can understand where are they today and what's going on in their world today and obviously understanding the destination if you like of where we're trying to get people to and just trying to make that the stuff that happens in between those two points as simple as it can and as relevant and emotive to those individuals as as, as we can make it but I, I think the thing that strikes me that time and time really resonates with people is words of people that they can connect with often I think sometimes as sort of within comms we kind of get heads down we want to write some copy and we on it but sometimes if you get other people's words the real people the peers if you like in whoever the change is related to they're the things that can be most emotive to an individual most resonate with with an individual I think so we're talking about advocate aren't we there and also that bit about the emotional connection because that's the important thing isn't it actually we want to get to the heart don't we we don't want to just tell someone to do something because they're not buying in then are they they're just kind of following rules or something whereas we want to connect to them on a on a different level to actually make them want to make that change yeah you've got to bring it to life in a way in which matters to them which I think is sometimes a challenge is because because often there's quite a broad audience, isn't there? Like it, it, particularly if you're in local government or in a council where you're trying to talk to all the residents to say, let's wear masks or 
or make sure you wash your hands. You know, the, these sorts of messages are, are very broad and they're for everyone. So that's where we can fall into that trap of trying to be all things to all people, I think. But it's, it's trying to unravel that a little bit. And as you say, try and get that emotional connection there that really matters to those individuals. Yeah, and there's a bit about targeting, isn't there? I know certainly we've identified here in Dorset in our cross-organisation group that, you know, there's a, a group of people say that we know are going unnecessarily to the A&E at a hospital more than other groups so that actually we need to target stuff specifically to that group and try and resonate with them but of course that can be quite difficult when it's a men aged 18 to 30 and if you're not in that group you know you've got to kind of try and get yourself into the mind of that group having to do some research talk to those people and find out what it is that chimes with them and I think what's interesting there is you've started from a place of data and insight to understand where is our biggest issue in that group of people that keep coming into an A&E that you don't don't want them to for example and then the, the challenge is well what motivates them why, why are they doing that rather than taking other routes to care if, if, if that's the right journey that they need to go on and, and then as you say when you put those communications together how can we check if we're not those people that they're actually going to land in the way in which you want and I, I think it's interesting because whenever I've read anything about behavioral change there's always a lot of testing testing refining testing refining and in most of the work that we do day to day that doesn't happen not because mm. we might not want to do it but because we need to get this stuff out there and it needs to land at a certain time you know if you've got three weeks to turn around a campaign which might be a luxury for some people at this point in time <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> well, three weeks <laughs> that's cool yeah. <laughs> yeah that's some real time to think about it if that time doesn't allow or you haven't got access to those people then how are you meant to do that testing and refinement you know and that that takes money as well doesn't it in terms of budget doing those focus groups or whatever they might be yeah uh, absolutely and well I do a bit of informal testing with yeah. my own connections sometimes so you know I've got a 15 year old daughter knocking around the house being grumpy all the time so if we're trying to do something for teenage kids I try and run it by her or actually quite often I test things on my mum because my mum mom's 82 and she's pretty good but you know she wouldn't understand some of the complexities of what we might be trying to explain and so it's always good to do the mum test I find yeah and I think that's the really smart way isn't it of just trying to run this past someone and getting some insight that we won't get just from living in our own little bubbles and trying to make decisions in in isolation I think when when we work on putting campaigns together particularly at the concept stage and development we'll go through iterations and and changes internally before and that we might still end up with three or four different kind of approaches but they've all been through an amount of prodding and pushing and that's even before it lands with a with a client and yeah. and then it gets gets <laughs> prodded and pushed again. <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. well, <laughs> a kind of but you know that that's part of the journey as long as we end in a good place where it works and it's through that iteration that it's not diluted but strengthened then that's the important thing focus groups i've mentioned it and saying that you know as if it, it can give us all the insight we need i think there's a balance isn't there with any of that sort of thing where we need to listen to what our audience is saying but they equally accept that they may not have all of the answers because Mm. they're they're not on our side of the fence either. So Mm. it's trying to combine both of those to end up with something that surprises them because they're not the ones there that have other skills at their disposal to bring this to life. You know, we might come up with something that really resonates that they wouldn't have thought about as a focus group or as an audience group. So it's important to sort of not overlook our own ability to see something that we think is interesting as 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's really challenging at the moment is there is such a lot of noise out there, isn't there? There's so many messages, campaigns, so much information, so much changing information, you know, it, it's changing every five minutes, it would seem. So it's really difficult to cut through all of that, isn't it? And, and actually get through to people. And I think creativity is a really key to that, isn't it? So what we were talking about earlier on around comms and plug, doing something a bit different, something a bit quirky or something, you know, that makes people look and think, oh, what's that? It's got to rise above everything else which is hard at the moment isn't it it is yeah i've had two chats today actually that were about projects that are addressing difficult subject matters this morning started with trying to help sex workers in scotland it's this afternoon uh, we were talking about anti-hate crime in in london and both of those this may sound bonkers when you've got such a difficult and challenging subject we're trying to find ways of saying delivering it in a positive way so the, the sex workers side of things was about an organization that's saying that that they are there to support and empower the people that they work with effectively mm. and come and talk to us because we can help you with the challenges that you're facing and whereas previously they've done sort of things where it's dark repressive imagery of people that are struggling with things it's actually just trying to lift people and I think we need that more than ever right now which I know is a bit of a catchphrase in it more than ever right so we do though it's it. true it's true isn't it you know we are in a different world at the moment to anything we've ever been used to so we do need to lift ourselves up and be positive as much as possible yeah and no, I think there's, there's a lot of darkness around if you like in terms of not only the, the time of year but the world world in in which we're living in and yeah. if we can lift people then we should do that through some of the work that we're doing. Yeah, and I think that is the stuff that will connect with people now because I think we're all searching for that a little bit, aren't we? The number of people I hear saying, I've stopped listening to the news, I'm not yeah. looking at social media at the moment because I find it too depressing, you know, and, and there's just too much negativity and polarisation again, as we've had in the past with other topics on COVID and what people think about it and how mm. serious people think it is or isn't. You know, that's a really tricky world to live in, isn't it? And I think anything that can pull us together more rather than pulling us apart it's got to be yeah. a good thing let's let's hope that that's where people go with things what is it that you use to sort of nudge people so do you find that humor works is there a bit of guilt thrown in there in terms of some of this behavior change work i think that most of the time having, having a positive message i think and, and representing that in a positive kind of way visually and how that's expressed Something that we're hearing a lot about now as well is actually we're not asking you as an individual to do things. We're in this collectively acknowledging the fact that there's both individual and collective responsibility. And, and if we do what we can as individuals, that has a massive impact collectively. And that's where we get to a better place. So I think that that feels like a theme that's come through quite a lot just recently. Humour can come into it. We have used humour when it's, I don't even know that it was appropriate. I'm just thinking. That, 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 <laughs> well, it's, that, not, that, it's not always the right, it's not always the right approach, is it, obviously? No, but I, I think it, sometimes there's moments where you've got a challenging subject or something that maybe is difficult to address. And actually, I think sometimes we appreciate people making light out of that. I think, mm. uh, you know, I'm a big fan of satire and sort of, you know, people being particularly our people that 
are meant to lead us like being poked at a little in in the way in which they go about things mm. it sort of does bring that light to things and and i think that there can be a sort of a unifying thing behind humor if it resonates with a with enough people yeah absolutely when you laugh together and that links in with what you were just saying about collective responsibility because i think there's a real yearning for people to connect more isn't there because we're all separate many of us are working yeah. from home we're not going about our normal business we're not doing our usual you know i can't go to my choir i haven't been to choir since march you know yeah. i haven't seen those people we're not doing stuff together in the same way or not not in the numbers that we were and so that kind of yearning to connect with people however it is and feel that we're still part of the wider group wherever we all are is i think is playing on a lot of people's minds certainly playing on mine so the unifying factor is really important i think that well that's certainly what we try to do with with comms unplugged as a as a support network for comms yeah. people together you know i think you nailed that sally <laughs> i hope so i hope yeah, so I, so. I hope so because i just think it's it's about again it's about fit, trying to be positive trying to be supportive to each other and trying to work through it to get get through it together it's interesting isn't it because you, you i've been thinking a bit on the, the mental health side of things and, mm. uh, and obviously that sort of connects really really nicely with the comms unplugged side of uh what that does but mm. I don't know. I think I was just reflecting on on how much I think many of us are starting to look after our own well-being, the way in which we see the world and, and a bit of self-care going on. Mm. What I'd, I'd love to see more now is organisations actually stepping up to the plate and rather than putting in ways of treating symptoms, if you like, ways of addressing the actual issue and, mm. and I think I've had so many calls and conversations with comms people and, and, and others that are really feeling the pressure right now and, mm. and you know that doesn't seem to be letting off and it won't let off anytime soon so yeah. I'm a bit worried about some of our comms community in the broader sense of people that we all know and about what's going on in their, their worlds really because it's a tough time for people yeah totally well interestingly enough November for us is going to be resilience month um, so we're going to be doing some stuff around that which is great but Love what it. I also love in November in the first week of November is you guys are going to do something called yes Vember aren't you do you want to tell me about that because yeah. that sounds like a proper positive thing I saw that and I I thought yeah that's right up our alley <laughs> where did that come from <laughs> Where did it come from? <laughs> I, I, I thought you might ask me that question. And the, the, the reality was that I was just um, wondering, some things were knocking around in the back of my head about stuff that we've been working on and thoughts that we'd had. And I wanted a way to bring some of that stuff together. You know, you, you come into this time of year, it's the darker months, it's a change. And I think a lot of people struggle at this time of year as well. Gen anyway, generally. without this stuff, it, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Just felt like, now was a good time to try and do our bit in giving people a little bit of a lift. So we've got some, some fresh content and articles lined up around well-being and other bits and pieces and um, things that might be useful. A whole load of content to share next week. So we're quite excited about seeing that. And if I'm honest, it, it's, it's one of those things that we kind of put together quite quickly. And then people have responded to it really positively. And it's been a bit like, oh, my God, <laughs> what's going on? We better get um, some more content together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that's great. It's good. It's good. And, uh, you know, what I'm hoping is as much as we're kind of putting some bits and pieces together, it's great that you're doing some stuff. It'd be really good to chat about that so that we can help and perhaps spread spread the love on, on yeah. that side of things. And yeah, I just hope that other people get involved and share bits and pieces that they find, things that they're doing that helps them through this time. I know that, yeah, as I say, it, I think it, it was 
reflecting a little bit on what November has been over the last couple of years for, for me as well, personally. And they've been pretty rubbish. Mm. There's been a couple of low points uh, over the last couple of years in, in November itself. And, you know, if we can do something that's going to lighten the mood a little bit, then it should be good fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll totally cross-share all our content, (laughs) as we always do. Yeah, and it'll be lovely to see that because I think, yeah, we all need a lot of positivity at the moment to get us through the darkening months. I can't believe how dark it feels now suddenly. (laughs) It's going that way, isn't it? But it's been really lovely to have you on the podcast, Alan. Thanks for joining us. And yeah, we'll continue to work together, obviously, and gear up to hopefully next year's Comms Unplugged in 2021, where we will hopefully see you back in the field again, which will be lovely. Definitely. Yeah, looking forward to it already. positive things to help you through those cold dark winter months if you'd like to get involved with this podcast in future then do email us on commsunplugged at gmail.com or tweet us on at commsunplugged see you soon